Hello everybody, Pastor Iris again back on the air to come and talk to you and today again we're out in Northern Ireland. That isn't true. Northern Ireland is out with, with us. No, <laughs> that's not true either, is it? We're meeting on Zoom. That's what <laughs> We've both come halfway across the world or the channel, whichever way you look at it, to talk to each other and bring you Hebrews. And we're going to start at uh, chapter one, first one. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. We've done Thessalonians, which was really very, very exciting. So, Hugh, you, you, you know what's on your heart. So you, <coughs> the living face. That's what Hebrews is, isn't it? Living face. Yeah, yeah. Well, the message, the message never changes from book to book. The message it always stays the same. That God. Almighty God has directly intervened into a fallen world and humanity and taken upon humanity and his son. And we have had this divine intervention. And the message is there and it's clear that God so loved the world that he gave his son, he sent his son. Yeah. So now we're looking at the aspect of actually considering this truth of his son and the worth and the value that he has set upon his son. We need to, we need to understand that this is God's priority. I can tell you that right now, this priority is permeating through heaven. It's also going to be permeating through this earth and it's even permeating through hell. Jesus said when he was here in his ministry, all authority in heaven and in earth and in hell has, is his. So that's he has taken that primary place in the divine will and purpose of God and in the strategy of the Godhead. He has worked out this plan of salvation and he indeed himself has been the creator, the Lord Jesus, we are told through the scriptures, that he has been the creator of all creation. So he's not just some second-rate person. That's right. He's the center of the focus now, according to God's will at this point in time, until everything is wrapped up and completely done. And then he will hand over to the Father, and God will be all in all. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will be all in all together again, where they have been before time began. So we're in the midst of a program of God, and what we're looking at today is a particular, very important letter which has been written to help us understand the value of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's, by God's grace and help, and to the listeners, we just pray they'll be blessed and that God will help us in our attempt to glorify and exalt his name. So we're in the book of Hebrews. And listen, this is a book, along with the other scriptures in the New Testament and the Old Testament, this is a book that God has authorized, watched over, seen. This is the word of God. This is coming from God. It's not coming from men or from intellectual 
theologians or anybody else. The source of this book is God Almighty himself. That's why it's important to take note of what God is trying to tell us. And as we get into this book, I am sure God will open our eyes and our hearts to see and understand what he's about. So let's go from verse 1 and thank God for the beginning of this letter. It starts with one word, God, God, God. What a sort of letter is this, that God and Prince himself and his name as a very first word. You know, God is the first in everything. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus in the beginning was the word. Here we read on this book before it even starts that the introduction, that the most important person behind this whole revelation is God Almighty. Who is this God? Well, he's known by many names and we don't have time to go into all those names, but it's the Lord God Almighty. It can be also the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord God Almighty. It can also be the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord God Almighty. You see, there is one God. There's not three gods, but there is one God in the unity of the Godhead. But there are times when it's apparent that the reference is to the Father, or the reference is to the Son, or the reference is to the Holy Spirit. Here it's a general word that says God. This is the Almighty God. Now look who this God is. First of all, he starts to make things very clear. God who at sundry times. What is sundry times? It means that it's times when God has chosen to do something. God has chosen. It hasn't been set repetition that men can work it out. No, God does his will and his way and his work within humanity, within the angels of God, within the principalities and the powers, within humanity on this earth. God Almighty decides what to do and when to do it. God at sundry times. So there's different times. You can't tie God down to anything. We as human beings are imperfect, broken vessels. We are totally dependent upon our salvation and our redemption from God through Jesus. But this God has acted in history of humanity. And this is what he's trying to tell us. Who at sundry times, God worked at sundry times and in divers' manners. Oh, you might say, but I thought God worked this way or God worked that way. I want to tell you, you'll never work out how God works. God works in divers' different manners. God goes about his business in a mysterious way and the wonders of his own will and purpose. So in sundry times, the word of God says here that God is behind the action and the activity within this first verse of this book. Sundry times and in diverse manners, what did he do? It says that he spake. God got in the business of speaking within humanity, to humanity. God is a God who speaks. Listen to me very carefully now. God speaks and the earth shakes. God speaks and that authority is behind him in his throne. God is a God who speaks. Don't think that God's away sleeping somewhere or away on a message somewhere or doing something. God is quite capable 
of watching and working in through his whole creation of angelic beings, of rebellious angels, of fallen humanity, of the redeemed in heaven, of the good and holy angels in heaven. God speaks. He's a God who speaks. And you know, the angels wait before God in heaven and they're listening for his command. They're listening and they're ready to go. They're ready to fly at the word of God. When God speaks, something happens and there's things happen which we can't see. We don't perceive. Sometimes we see the effect of them in this world. Sometimes we see the effect of them in our lives, but we cannot fathom and understand that we have and are responsible before an eternal God who speaks. It says that he has speaking, spoken in time past. So this is historically from what God is beginning to say here. This is something that he's saying he has spoken in time past. What has he spoken to and what has he spoken about? It says here, it's very simple. We just need to read the scriptures and the Lord tells us. We don't need to invent stories or dramas. We just look at the scriptures. It says God spake in time past unto the fathers. Who's the fathers? Well, you see, he's dealing first and foremostly with a nation that he brought into being as distinct from all the other nations of the earth. After the flood, that was a disaster. And God, they could not rise up to worship God in truth on at the altar. God destroyed the earth with a great flood. And from that, he raised up a nation which he would identify himself with spatially, that they would take the message that he would give them unto the nations of the earth. Those are the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Israel. Those are the fathers. Those are the people that led the foundation of the relationship with God. He says that he has spoken to them in time past. So God made an effort to speak to these Jewish forefathers in the time of their life. And if you haven't read the Old Testament scriptures or what they call the Tanakh, the Holy Scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, and the translation of English, I would suggest you do it. Look at the history. Consider how God spoke to these people in their day and generation. He called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He worked in their life. He sent, and it says, by the prophets. God always has chosen a way of speaking through prophets to the people of God. That was the medium that he used, the prophets of God, people that God had chosen to bring a message. It could have been a message of warning. It could have been a message of comfort. It could have been a message of encouragement. It could have been a message of disaster and impending judgment. But God has been speaking to these fathers by the prophets. But here's the most wonderful thing. This is the most wonderful thing, really, that this message and this book is about. God hath not only spoken in times past, and we should underline this in our hearts and our minds, not only has God spoken in time past by the prophets to all these fathers in Israel, but now listen, not verse 2, hath in these last days, 
You see, God has determined there is a time for, for time for men and humanity and for angels that is going to wind up the whole history of this world. Now he has sent his son, it says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. That's a very precious statement because that's a very precious person. I want to tell you that if there's anybody, including myself or anybody that's listening to me, if you want to step foot into the very realms of glory, into the very realms of heaven, there's only one way now you can do that. And that's through this son, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will say things now, but as time goes on, as we go through this letter, things will become made more clear. I'm just stating now that this son is the one that was born in the womb of a virgin, prophetically prophesied that God would send the Messiah. This is his son. I am not making any apologies for Jesus. And God certainly is never going to make an apology for the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter what men say. It doesn't matter what professors say. It doesn't matter what intellectuals say. God's truth will stand not only for time, but for all eternity. And everybody will be brought to the place of judgment. And that judgment will be determined in the relationship that they have with God through this person has spoken unto us by his son. Jesus came, Yeshua is his Hebrew name. Jesus is his Gentile expression. Jesus, Yeshua, came from God to witness to the first of all to the nation of Israel and to confirm all that God had established in his relationship with Israel. But of course we know, history tells us in the scriptures, that he was rejected and he had to die a death at Calvary. But that death God turned into the way to open up a new way, a new covenant, a new a way towards God. All this in the past is of no value whatsoever as regards our salvation. We may listen and we may read, we may learn, but understand this, everything, everything to do with your eternal well-being and welfare and mind and everybody is based on our relationship and our faith and our trust and our confession and our repentance before this particular person called the Son of the living God, whom he, that's the Father, now the Father, now the Scriptures, most likely the Holy Spirit is dictating these words, that the Son of God and the Father whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. You see, that's a tremendous revelation, really, within those first two verses, that God Almighty has not only brought Jesus, his son, into this world and valued him above and beyond every other person, every angel, everything that exists, every person that exists. Jesus is unique. He's, he's glorified and he's exalted by his son, by his father. Now his father has appointed him. Jesus, listen carefully. He has been appointed heir. What does an heir mean? It means that you're all that's expected and, 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 and made and created for 
you is coming to you. And that is a fact today. I'm speaking today. But there are things yet that Jesus has got to receive because he is the heir of all things. Jesus has been promised by his father, first and foremostly, that he would send him back here where he was rejected, where he was shamed, where he was disgraced, where he was violated, where he was tortured. God says, son, I'm going to send you back in the robes of your divine and glory and deity. I will send you back to this earth and every eye shall see you and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord of all. That's the revelation that's coming when Jesus comes to this earth. But here he's an heir of all things. Everything that God has promised, everything that God has promised, his rule and his reign on this earth, the time that he's coming into heaven, the time that heaven will be gathered together with him, the time when he resurrects every believer that belongs to him and breathes life into a new body. That is all in front of him. And ultimately and finally, in the last chapters of Revelation, we're told that God says, it's all done now. The judgment of the great white throne, it's all over. All this, all this whole course of history has now been fulfilled. Jesus has come, he has ruled, he has reigned. God has destroyed the world with the fire. And, and he enters into a new heaven and a new earth where indwells righteousness. That's the ultimate heaven where there's no more temple, where there's the presence of God, the light of God shining amongst his people. That's the ultimate heaven of all heavens. That's when Jesus will hand over finally everything to his father and God will be all in all. There's something in all of that we don't know about. We just get a, a little bit of information, but that's amazing. So let me understand and explain that Jesus is the heir. It's Jesus, Yeshua, is the heir. Nobody else. There's no man. There is no man can claim this situation. Only the Lord Jesus. God has appointed him heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So God put Jesus forth to, to bring the creation into the world. Yes, God works in Jesus absolutely and totally. I'm studying and going through the fourth gospel of John again in my life. I'm going to keep on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I cannot get enough, and I ask God to open my eyes to see and understand, but there's something I see very clear, that God is working in the life of Jesus when he was on this earth, that Jesus carried out his father's will. His father showed him what he would do in certain circumstances, and Jesus carried that out, and the will of God was being done. That's how important this situation is and this relationship is with his son. He brought his son and made him head over all creation, that all creation would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, it's so sad to me to hear men, men who are clever, men who are intelligent, way far beyond my capabilities. But they look at the earth, they look at the world, and they see all its beauty, and, and they can explain it all and look at it all. But they do not acknowledge the God of all creation. And to me, it's so ridiculous and so foolish. 
but that's just the way it is. Now it says here, this is the Son of God we're speaking about, who being the brightness of his glory on the express image of his person. You see, if anything, Jesus, Yeshua, has come forth from God, his bosom, his heart, into humanity, and he expresses the whole image and the whole person, the glory of his Father. Jesus is very special and he's very unique. He cannot be replicated by anybody, but God wants his people to follow through and become like him. God has said Jesus as the pattern and as the standard. Now he's upholding all things by the word of his power. There is no lack of authority. There is no lack of power in Jesus to doing whatever God wants him to do. So believe me, everything, everything that's going on in heaven, everything that's going on in this earth, everything that's going on with the, the dark principalities and powers, God has it all under his control. We may not like it. We may not understand it. We may not want it. But God ultimately is in control of everything that exists, that he has made. There's nothing outside his control. And God knows about the suffering. God knows about the pain. God knows about the troubles of life. God knows all about that. And God says, put your trust in me. Put your trust in my son. And I will guarantee that I will be with you through those troubles and I will bring you through and I will bring you ultimately into my presence. That's the promise of God. But we're in a broken world where there is suffering. And God says he has prepared a new place and a new world where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. It's all gone. So here's the word of his power. When he had by himself you know, that's a very good statement. When he had by himself, Jesus, Yeshua, gone to Calvary for us, he talked, he shared, he ministered to his disciples, to his apostles, those that he called. He sat with them during the Last Supper. And after supper, it says he took a cup and he took some bread and he said, this cup is the New Testament. He created and brought into being something new, something that was greater something that was better, and you'll see it as we go through this book of Hebrews. That is what this book is all about. It's going to tell us that Jesus is far beyond, above and beyond anything else. And he himself, it was Jesus died for you, and it was Jesus died for me. We owe him everything. He owes us nothing. He himself, you think, how am I getting into heaven? I'll tell you how you're getting into heaven. Because Jesus died for you. Jesus gave his life for you. Individually means also collectively. But he gave himself. He purged our sins. All the sins that was created. All the sins that could happen. All sin. All sin. Jesus faced it. Took it upon himself. That's why in that very darkest hour, when our sins were all placed upon him, the Holy Lamb and Son of God, 
He says, my God, my God, Psalm, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the only moment in the life and existence of Jesus that his father had to turn away because all our sins was placed upon his son and he took it upon himself. Thank God he took it. Nobody put him to death. He took it upon himself and he gave his life for us. That's when he said, it is finished and he gave up the spirit. Into thy hands I commit my spirit, he said to his father. Having purged our sins, removed our sins, Brothers and sisters, isn't it wonderful that we have a person, that we have a place that we can actually say, thank you, Lord, for removing, taking away all my... There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. There's no accusation. The accuser was cast out of heaven when Jesus went in. No more accusations against God's people. There's nobody can throw up our sins against us in our face. Jesus has purged away all our sins. That is a tremendous truth, and that's a tremendous confidence that God wants us to have. Put your faith in God. Trust in him. This is the message that he has purged our sins. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the Our sins have been put behind God's back, never to be remembered. Some people, you know, have been quoted in time in the sea of God's forgetfulness. There's no such place. Our God does not forget. What he does is something more positive. He chooses not to remember our sins anymore nor let them come into his mind. That to me is more positive. That God says, your sins, my son has taken your sins. He's carried that cost at Calvary. And your sins, they will never be remembered by me anymore. Neither will it come into my mind. I, that's an act of God's will. That to me is more positive than saying they're in the sea of God's forgetfulness. In other words, like God has forgotten. What happens if he remembers again? No, that's that doesn't work like that. I'd rather understand what the scripture says. The Lord says, your sins will I remember no more. Neither will they come into my mind. So he purged our sins. It says that he sat down. Hallelujah, I say, thank you, Jesus. He deserved to be able to sit down after all that he went through for us. You know, he was born in the virgin womb. He came into the world a uh, holy person without sin. He lived a life. He had to put up with us, and especially those Jewish leaders who hadn't any time for him, didn't want to know him. Didn't even want to try and find out if the truth about him existed. But he went through all of that. The rejection, the blasphemy, the hatred, the suffering and the pain. And he deserves this. Hallelujah. I hope and trust and pray by God's grace that I can get into heaven. And I will just look and I will just see my Savior sitting down and, and relaxing and resting. Because he's sitting and the rest of his glory and of his power sat down. Not only is he sitting down, but he's on the right hand of the majesty on high. So that great light of God eternally, which is shining in heaven, I'm not sure that even at this point in time that the angels can actually see his face. 
But that eternal presence of God Almighty, Jesus came and sat at his right hand of the majesty on high. Brothers and sisters, if the truth of that come into our hearts and into our beings, we would be jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah because that's our Savior. He's sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's sitting on the throne of God. He loves us with an everlasting love. He has called us out of darkness into his most marvelous light. He has broken the chains. He has removed our, our sins and our sorrows. He has given a great future promised for us. Promised for us. Glory to God. Who is it? It's him. And there he is sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There's no place higher than that place in heaven. There is no place higher. And there is no other man can move into that position. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let the devil delude you. There is no other person, no matter who they are, no matter what religious claims they make, there is no other man. We are all born in sin and shape and iniquity. This place of uniqueness at the right hand of God is reserved for one person and one person only. And I know his name is Yeshua Jesus. The angel said to Mary, call his name Yeshua Jesus. And that's who he is. And he's sitting on the right hand of God on high. Listen. Listen to this next statement. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> it keeps getting better. And it keeps getting more exciting. Being made. Being made. So God had a purpose in sending Jesus. It just wasn't happening by accident. It was by divine design that God sent his son into that room. God chose that young woman, Mary. God chose her to be the vessel that his son would be conceived in by the Holy Spirit. All that whole aspect of Jesus leaving heaven, coming into this world, to be born as a baby, it's so, it's so crazy. It says great is the mystery of godliness. This is a great mystery. So he was being made, listen, so much better. I want you to understand those words. So much better. You'll find in this book that this is the theme of this book. As we go through it, he's made so much, much, so much, not just better, but much better than the angels, than Moses, than the priesthood, that in everything that existed, God is going to show us in this book how he is so much better. This is a tremendous book. Is it any wonder the devil wants this book torn up and put out of the Bible? Is it any wonder that the devil uses men to try and put this scripture down and try and twist it and put people off it? Because here's the testimony of God Almighty. Jesus, Yeshua, the one that walked in the shores of Galilee, is now in heaven and he's been made so much better than the angels. The angels have got to accept that fact. The angels always enjoyed the blessing of the situation and the status of being an angelic being in the very presence of God. But now the angels have something and someone, especially someone greater than themselves. 
And I think that that was part of, of Satan and Lucifer's downfall. He could not fathom and he would never accept, just like those Jewish leaders wouldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. Satan would not accept Yeshua to be a man in flesh and bone higher than the angels, being made so much better than the angels. I'm coming to the end now. Our time is running out. Being made so much better than the angels. He's better than the angels. The angels have to accept that. He's better than us. We have to accept that. In actual fact, he has given his life for us to make us like, like himself. As he hath by inheritance. That's his inheritance, you see. God, before time began, must have had a conversation together with the Son and the Holy Spirit and explained the whole plan together on the inheritance of Jesus. Jesus, you're going to go into a broken world. You're going to be raised and you're going to sit on the throne and you're going to be exalted higher than the highest order of creation, which is the angelic world. That's your inheritance. That's something that you can look forward to. That's something that you know. When Jesus walked on this earth, Jesus was conscious that he had an inheritance in front of him that his God and his Father in heaven had promised. By inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We need to finish there. Time has run out. So Jesus is so much better. What good words to finish this session on. Jesus is so much better and has a more excellent name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Oh, isn't it going to be wonderful to be able to get into heaven and be part of that great company of the redeemed who've got the song and the realization and revelation. They're no longer looking at things around them in this world to distract them. They're in the fullness of the blessing of the presence of God. They're seeing the glory and the worth and the worthiness of the Lamb of God. Is it any wonder that we get some of those scriptures in Revelation? Well, there's a great burst and crescendo of praise and worship. and honor. We cannot praise him enough. In actual fact, in these bodies, we're very inhibited. We're weak. We're weak and infirmed. But he understands us, and he's with us in our infirmity and in our weakness. To God be all the glory, especially at this time, unto our Lord Jesus for who he is. Amen. Amen. I was just having a quick recap from, from the Passion uh, version of Hebrews. And right at the very beginning, Hugh, it says, they calls Jesus the language of God. That's the heading. And it says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation that he gave them was only a fragment at a time, but building one truth upon another. But to us living in these last days, and notwithstanding that we know more now, we have technology which they never had in, in those days and things like that. You know, the, the, so those living in the last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of his son. Amen. So the appointed heir to everything. But through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature. 
his, uh, his mirror image, he holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right <laughs> hand of the majestic one. What more do you need but that? I mean, that is amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. That's and it, it's amazing. good to read different translations, especially you know, getting some of the updated modern ones. But make sure you get a good Bible because they're not all accurate. Okay. And even, even our own Bibles are not entirely accurate. But um, we're guessing there. <laughs> it's the fact that it's being revealed now. That's what it's saying. And it yeah. was saying it all those centuries ago in those old fashioned words, but we didn't see that. <laughs> I've only just seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a different way of explaining it, isn't it? It is. Praise your Lord. Oh, well, we've really got to go. I mean, I tell you, when we get into these studies, I can't put the Bible down. I'm ahead of you anyway. You don't ask me any questions because I'm not even on the same page. You know, oh, look. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening in. And please join us again. We're, you know, Hugh's going to be on the air every day. And um, I mean, he always is, but please keep tuning in because there's a lot to learn and a lot to stay tuned into as well. So God bless and we'll see you again soon.